0: You're listening to the RSL Random Fan Podcast, the podcast for Real Salt Lake fans of every age and level of soccer knowledge and experience, even for those who have never played the game. Your hosts are lead instigator and Real Salt Lake fan from the beginning, Brant Goebel, Major League Soccer OG and national team lover, Tyler Thomas, and the kid who keeps them all in line and the only one with any fashion sense whatsoever, Brennan Goebel. On the podcast, they share their random thoughts after every Real Salt Lake match, win or lose. Besides team and game commentary, they work to bring you the highest quality Real Salt Lake and soccer community content. Content that includes interviews with Real Salt Lake insiders, current and former players, and random fans just like you. They also talk soccer from around the world, from the U.S. men's national team to little clubs like Manchester United Arsenal, and my personal favorite, Tottenham, and the behemoth that is Crawley Town FC. Enjoy this episode of the RSL Random Fan Podcast.
1: So it's another episode of the RSL Random Fan Podcast, as you you know, because you heard the intro, right? Every week. Uh, I'm your host, Brent Goble joined by... Brennan! Brennan Goble, and
2: then we have a special guest tonight, Jose Velez. Thank you for joining us, Jose. Brand, thank you so much for the invite, man. I appreciate it. Um, any chance I get to to hop on someone else's show and talk footy, especially with some of the opinions that I have, I take it. So uh, thanks again for the invite, man. I appreciate it.
1: We, oh, we appreciate you being here with us. So tell us uh, why you're here. What? Uh, how did we uh, get hooked up with you, Jose?
2: Yeah, I love it, man. Uh, story time, right from the beginning. I'm all for it. Um, look, Brand, I think it's. <laughs> I I'm not a shy well, we're guy. We're excited. I mean for, we're excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not a shy guy. Um, I'm a massive soccer fan for those who follow me on Twitter. Um, I still use an old, it started off as kind of a nickname uh, amongst, you know, uh, some of my youth soccer teams, but became a gamer tag as I got older Bromigo. Um, um I have a lot of interesting opinions. If you're a Barca fan, Arsenal fan, or if you're an MLS guy, I'm an FC Dallas fan. And I think, you know, people either love us or hate us or, don't even care in between right so um if you see me on on social media at all um i'm usually shouting about how much i love this game how much this game can change on this side of the world how much time and um we have ahead of us how much we have left to build on this front um for those who know i am the founder of goals tv i've been building it for just over a year very very excited about what's lying ahead as we get closer to 2024 for the platform for all the creators who were involved and, and that's really kind of why I'm here today. Right. I think, um, you know, I reached out to RSL random Fat podcast because of the RSL content that I was consuming as an FC Dallas fan, when we had to play you guys twice this year and did, did sweep RSL twice this year, you know, um, the whole way through, I think it, um, it was, uh, it was a good, it was a good season on that front, but I think it's, it's what also introduced me to the pod, to the show, to the camaraderie you guys have, to the knowledge you guys bring for for i think for the average joe who's just trying to break into mls which i know is so many of us right now i think shows like this that are made by the fans that introduce topics that they know the fans want to hear sometimes have banter and debate that's necessary for all of us to get a little more educated on this um i think you you know your show is one of several that i think is is really kind of a diamond in the rough and um and waiting to kind of grow as this sport continues to grow on this side of the world so uh i'm excited i know we've been talking about it for more than a couple weeks now but you guys are going to be able to find rsl random fan podcast on goals tv very very soon we got them on board i twisted their arms collectively and um and i'm really excited about you know hopefully the growth that we're all going to be experiencing as we head into a new year so it's going to be fun
1: so tell us what you're trying to do with goals tv what is it we are incredibly excited to be a part of it but what is goals tv what are your goals
2: um i love how many times we're using we're gonna use the word goals today it's gonna be great yeah um i think uh look man what i'm it's 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 difficult i think to summarize in a couple words right and i think it'll be constantly changing as as time goes on i think we're entering the most exciting time in history to be a soccer fan in this part of the world um the the buzz around our national teams the major tournaments that are coming to the side of the world all this is building to Something I've always wanted to see as a lifer, right? As someone who's supported, you know, soccer for all 32 years that I've been alive is some kind of a real sustainable, I don't want to call it a culture, right? But something that defines American soccer fans that's bigger than the domestic leagues we're still trying to grow. And the best way I know how to do it is through, in my mind, in the age of the internet, through community. And the best way to foster a true community is content at scale, a lot of it, Um, discovery of that content, um, creators that are looking to build that content and that community supporting one another. Um, I think it's still very, very early days when it comes to soccer inside of the world. And so for me, Goals TV is solving a problem that I think we're going to hit somewhere down the road. I think fans crave authenticity and relatability with the content they're going out of their way to consume every single day. I think legacy media can only offer so much of that, um, and creators like yourselves, like the RSL Random Fan Podcast, they're taking a little more control now. There's a little more leverage in their court. I think we're going to see a point somewhere down the road where independent content creators are going to be just more valuable. Their 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 voice is going to be more authentic. It's it's not going to be filtered. It's going to be raw, but in the best way possible. There's going to be a new definition to quality content, especially when you think about all these sports fans who have yet to discover something like major league soccer or other grassroots leagues like usl there's a lot we're like tip of the iceberg and i think that a platform that can transform video the way that we're trying to do so at goals tv um is is going to be necessary i think somebody was going to build it and i just thought why not me and uh, and so i've been taking it a point upon myself to meet all these content creators before this last year i was never creating content i was never putting myself out there putting opinions out there I did it because Goals TV gave me the initiative to do it, right? If I was going to try to convince creators like yourselves, Brandt, Brennan, anybody else who tunes into the, to the pod, I was going to convince anyone to buy into what I'm building with Goals TV. I had to almost walk the walk myself. So it's been a crazy journey, crazy year one. Um, we're about to hit the, the year one mark. We launched this thing right before the 2022 Men's World Cup in Qatar. And uh, we're about to hit that anniversary here. So it's been amazing. Um, the next 12 months should be just as exciting, if not more so.
3: Well said, man. I mean, I think that's what really coerced us into leading with you is that you really, you really talk as though you're trying to get somewhere and that's all RSL really wants to do is get somewhere. Um, And we're really impressed with you.
2: Um, But curious, what's your background in soccer, my guy? man i was uh as a player and fan forever so i mean background wise um i live in dallas today uh ironically it's kind of where i grew up playing ball um so i spent most of my time here um playing competitively as youngest 11 12 years old i'm a lifer like i was born into the game my parents and grandparents are massive barcelona fans i had i had no choice um it's i started watching european football before american soccer ever came into the fold and um i learned how to play down here though with that said like with everything i was watching on tv none of it was super relatable because it didn't mirror what i had in my backyard so it wasn't until i got to playing down here that i really dove in and i was playing for in 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 the fc dallas u system by the time i was i don't know in high school um and i went to play college ball for a couple years uh division two here in texas midwestern state university um so that's i mean soccer wise like that's my background as a fan though um Anyone who knows me knows that my passion runs deep. Just like, Brennan, you mentioned how, how much I – you can feel my passion when I talk about Goals TV. Equally, my clubs, you can feel the passion <laughs> coming from my voice um, when, I'm, when I'm talking about them. So um, I feel like my life, now that I have a six-month-old um, and he consumes so much of my everyday life, my life very much is my family, my work, and football or soccer, however you see it um that's it like i don't i don't really have much else going on like this is this is every day for me so that's my background at a very very high level um i never thought i was gonna go pro never tried really to go pro college was kind of it for me i wanted to use soccer to as a tool to help lower the act the barrier to entry for for college being a first generation college student in my family but that's really it after that i got recruited into amazon corporate immediately following college um and that's where i moved to seattle and kind of earned my business chops so to speak. I learned how to build product services businesses and then I came back to Texas last year and I've been here ever since, man. So it's been a wild journey. Um but I imagine it's only gonna get weirder along the way. <laughs> so you're an FC Dallas fan? Yeah, just just by the nature of like being connected to the system. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I do I'm MMO... what's that?
3: Not a dynamo fan. FC Dallas, Not,
2: Yes, 100% a Dallas fan. Um, I, in fact, it pains me to know how much success Dynamo have seen as an organization throughout the years, uh, considering that we've been to one MLS Cup final ever. Um, and we, we don't have any MLS Cups to show for our name, right? We're strictly U.S. Open Cup champs um, in certain years. So it's it's tough, man. Uh, being a Dallas fan right now amongst the three different fan bases in Texas, it feels... Um, it's easy to feel somewhat like the uh the middle child. You know what I mean? Like we're always kinda good. Um, that strikes
3: a chord with me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like we're always kinda good, you know, we make playoffs pretty consistently. Um but you know, we're usually out of the playoffs by the second round, you know, and that's that's kind of just who we are. We don't buy sexy in the transfer market. We we lean a little more on, you know, youth talent in our own system. It's just like if you were breaking into MLS as a new fan, this, I don't know, there are other 1.0 clubs that you may want to, that may just be sexier for you, right? Just may be more fun for you to watch or, or more recognizable names on the roster, whatever it may be. Either way, though, it's been fun following guys like now, Jesus Ferreira, but even his dad, Davi Ferreira, guys like Breck Shea, um, even through storms like the Juninho years, right? Like there's, there's mm. so much, you know, to, to kind of look back at, but. I got into it because I played the youth system before the academy was ever really around. All they had were youth teams at the competitive level. And um, I was recruited to play for one of those guys. But, and what they would do is it was, it was all marketing. Um, you would, every one of the teams, the parents, they all got free tickets to the game. So like naturally we were just, they were just building their generation of FC Dallas. Um, so that's how I got into it, man. That's I, I would go watch Dallas burn when it was still original MLS 1.0 um, at the Cotton Bowl. I, those sports tickets were super cheap. My dad didn't have a ton of money, but he wanted us to watch the game. And so, yeah, we would just drive 10, 15 minutes up to Cotton Bowl and go watch, you know, Dallas Blair and pay the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars or somebody, you know? So Do you Jason Christ fan too?
1: What's that? Are you a Jason Christ fan then?
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think Jason Christ, Ariel Graziani, like those guys that Rampareja was actually still playing for them back then too. Um, you know, those guys that were, you know, kind of the pride of, of the burn back then. Yeah, it's hard not to be. Um, as a coach, Jason Christ, I, I think back to how I would have reacted him as a player. Um, it would have been pretty cool at first to play for Jason Christ, but I've heard some stories since then. I think he just be an interesting guy <laughs> to play for. Uh, but the guy's a great, you can't deny it. One of the greatest goal scorers we've ever seen come through this league. And um, I know Dallas fans are pretty grateful despite some of the things he's gone on to win as a manager.
1: Yeah, first MLS player to get to 100 goals.
2: Yeah, the right? guys. I don't know. He was. I had not, not not appreciated enough when you see a lot of the content out there, like on on YouTube or anything, when people are making these lists of, you know, the best strikers or anything, or they have those conversations and debates. You rarely get Jason Christ's name.
1: So, what are your other teams? You mentioned Barca. Is that so? Let's let's go through all of them. That's one of the things that I, I'm a convert to soccer. Uh, I didn't come. I didn't come around. Yeah. To soccer until late, until I was born
3: with arms. It was crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: I tell this all the time. I used to say the only way my kids would play soccer was if they were born with no arms, which is kind of a horrible thing to say, but I was not (laughs) a fan whatsoever. And then uh, Brennan started playing. I think his mom signed him up to spite me. I don't know. (laughs) But um, he started playing, and then I uh, worked in construction. A lot of my friends, I started watching uh, Mexican TV a little bit more, and Cruz yeah. Azul. I love, I like Cruz Azul, and so it just, just generally got in, and then it just kind of took over, kind of like a, like a parasite. I don't know, but I am now all I, all I watch, really is soccer. But one of the things I found that I loved about it is you can have more than one favorite team. Unlike some sports, it's you rarely find people that have two favorite baseball teams unless there's maybe one in the National League one in the American League but but not really as passionate fans like soccer yeah. so your other teams
2: yeah yeah i mean i would say those were my 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 first team ever right the one that like if i had to categorize them and put them into tiers or something i would say the top tier the upper echelon of everything is, is barcelona because of it's like how i learned about the game like i i didn't watch other teams play when i was learning about it as a kid um you know, my dad was, was kind of the, the guiding light, right? And we watched Barcelona, and this was pre, pre- Messi. Um, This was the earliest days of Javier Saviola, Patrick Kluivert, of, you know, these guys that were working towards um, that introduction of Messi and all those glorious years that followed. But um, And there were some good ones even before then, right? But we, we won our first Champions League in 92. I was born in 91. So it's like, you know, we don't have this 100-year history that some clubs have in Europe around winning um, despite how big Barcelona is today. But that was the first love, man. I'm a massive fan of the style of play. Um, I'm a big believer in, in the philosophy, actually. I think um, it's what attracted me most. I think when most kids were out there picking, we're counting trophies and just picking which team was the best, which team they want to support because they were most likely to win. I was like obsessed with how they played. Just like I was less concerned about the score and more concerned about how the goals actually happened. Um and so I don't know if that makes me like a soccer hipster or something. But at the end of the day, like it was just um, it's what attracted me to Barcelona. And that led to my love for Arsenal. Uh, at the same time, Arsene Wenger <laughs> was building this thing and in London um, with non-traditional soccer players that, that traditionally didn't play in the Premier League. French players, Asian players. Um, he, he brought it kind of to the league, though. He that did. Was,
3: yeah. He did in a, in a, a big, big way.
2: way. Yeah, and like it was just the way that they played. You know, the Premier League was so pragmatic, even more back then. It was just fast and strong guys running up and down the field constantly. I mean, the Premier League is, was even it felt at times even faster back then, um, because now Pep Guardiola's has kind of changed that a little bit. But you know, just a very quick and fast league, and Arsene Wenger just changed the way that they played. I was attracted to the style of play of all the teams that I watched in the Premier League. They were the ones that I, I just loved tuning into the most, and so. My dad was, you know, when we, he discovered Prem and was watching it, or I guess he was probably watching at the same time I was, he loved, he's a big defense guy. Like he loves teams that just make it, it, it insanely difficult for you to score. And at the time, Jose Mourinho was doing that with Chelsea. Um, and so, you know, he kind of went the Chelsea way. I kind of went the Arsenal way and, you know, there are plenty of times where we're just, we just don't, we don't talk that much that day. Right. When Arsenal play, <laughs> Arsenal play <laughs> Chelsea, you know, we're, we're just not friends that day. That's okay. Um, but we have this very, very shared love of Barcelona. And so, you know, it's um I have a bunch of friends that are Real Madrid fans. We give each other a lot of shit on game days. And the Classic goals are big for us. Um, my whole family tunes in. It's 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 awesome. I've actually freaked out family members in the past with how much we get into the games. But yeah, man, those those are my first two loves, I would say. Um it was Barcelona first, Arsenal came after that. I mirrored a lot of what I loved in Barcelona in an English team, and then from there, um, I was just well, I was just exposed to Dallas more than anybody else. I, I was in market. I was going to practice wearing the gear. I was doing all of those things, and so um, yeah. And now I just it's hard for me to support any other MLS team. I get what you mean, Brent, about other American leagues, right? Just you can only have one NFL team, one NBA team. It, it feels weird to have multiple and that's why like I could never have another favorite Spanish team or another favorite English Premier League team or I think I had to keep it like one per league if I'm going to do that but that is a really cool I think opportunity that American fans can have is that we can support multiple teams and it doesn't feel weird because every country major country has its own league
1: Well said man <laughs> And speaking of trophy counters, Brennan's a Man you fan, right?
2: <laughs> mm, yeah, there's a lot of those. I was, um, I didn't hate, actually, there was so much hate to Arsenal United, uh, and I'm sure you you felt so over the years, Brennan. I never really, um, I like something, that, like now it's easy, right? Because I think United fans are doing this to us back in like 2014, 2015, 2016. Um, it's now easy to make fun of United, but like, I, I like to partake sometimes in that aspect of it all, but I'm not like tuning. I know some Arsenal fans that are tuning into United matches, hoping that they lose. And I, th- <laughs> I can't do that. It's, um, it's just not <laughs> worth my time, I guess. I don't know. It's just weird. It's like, I, I, I can't tune in and just hope that somebody doesn't score and get scored on. I don't know. It's it's, it's, it's a weird feeling, but there are plenty of Arsenal fans like that. And I'm sure vice versa. Um, that are just watching well, and hoping that we lose. So Isn't that
1: why it. anybody watches a Manchester City game? Just hope they lose. (laughs) That was me
2: last season. I got burnt (laughs) terribly. Um, You know, it's the closest we've been to winning a title in I don't know how long. And um, I almost wanted to cry towards the end of the season. It was tough, man. It was uh, it was really difficult. But it was at the same time, it was a fantastic season that I wouldn't trade for anything.
1: I I have the same. I had the opposite experience last year because I follow Crawley Town in League Two. And they mm. finished one spot above relegation, and <laughs> I think I might have been in tears if Crowley had been relegated down to the uh, the National League as Wrexham and oh. Knox County
2: came up. Yeah, it's, it's it's difficult, man. And the other end of the spectrum too. I always, um, I have a buddy of mine who um, massive Leeds United fan, and um, it's just tough for him, man. Like like you know, he had some moments last season that were amazing, and then they ultimately still got relegated. So. But just, I mean, to still like he's still just as vibrant in the championship. It's just he and I are watching matches on different days now. But yeah, he. Uh, it's just it's it's interesting to have cl- ones close to you and have them like um, watch them emotionally go through a relegation battle. It's uh, it's kind of wild. Like I'm like, man, I don't know how you do it, bro. It, I I can't even handle a title charge, much less like a relegation battle where I think like the stakes are even higher. Oh, it mm-hmm. was it was tough.
1: It was really <laughs> tough. The, the second to last game of the season. They played uh, one of the teams that was right there with them, and it was pretty much the game that relegated, um, oh, I can't remember now, because they're in the National League. I totally forgot, but it was one game away.
2: It was oh, League it two was Football's got to be insane. I can't even imagine.
1: <laughs> it's tough. So what about your thoughts on promotion and relegation? That's a huge, since we're kind of talking world yeah. soccer here, that's a huge issue that keeps popping up. and. Do you think it's coming to the U to the U S anytime soon? The USL has hinted around. They've teased people that they might try it.
2: Um, man. So I'll, I'll put it this way. Cause I've had, if anybody's seen this, I'm sure Mark Fishkin's seen it. I'm sure, um, other, you know, uh, OGs, what I call them, right? Guys who've been on, you know, in this soccer sphere for, for quite some time, creating content around it for quite some time. um, I've had these, these battles with people on Twitter because it's not that I don't believe in pro relegation. Obviously, I'm, I'm a European football fan first, I think, in my opinion. Um, I love it. It's one of the best aspects of the game. I'm also a big fan of sustainable business. Um, and I think that there's an aspect to that that fans of pro rel don't always hone in on is that the sports of soccer as a whole just widely When you look at the average club, doesn't matter where, they're usually not profitable. They're just, they're not. Most of them aren't. Um, The top 1% are. And so, you know, I think a lot about pro rel from that standpoint, but purely just, is it best for the U.S. at some point in any way, shape, or form to adopt it? I think yes, but I don't think it will happen the way that fans think it's going to happen. I don't, I think some fans are anticipating some kind of a bridge between USL and MLS. I don't think that ever happens. Um, I think USL might adopt it, but there will be some. There will be a price to pay. There will be, you know, some clubs maybe that have to fold at some point because they couldn't keep up. There's, there's going to be some casualties along the way, but that's true of any shift, major shift in a business model. Um, I think for me, the one aspect of Pro Rel that I, that I think will happen, the version that I see coming, is I think MLS will do it. I think right now they're growing at a rate where. We'll probably be at forty teams by like 20, 28, 2030, right? Twenty twenty five, we're gonna be like thirty two. So if we can get to you know four, whenever we get to forty teams, whatever year that may be, I can see Don Garber, you know, taking taking an L seemingly, right? Like just giving in to what most fans want and creating pro rel, but doing it in a closed environment, an MLS one and MLS two you have 40 teams, you break them right down the middle, 20 and 20, and you have some version of pro rel going back and forth between those two divisions and nothing else. I think that could happen. And if that happens, I think the first thing, the first change that we'll see is just, you know, clubs that traditionally don't spend a lot, cough, cough, Colorado Rapids, cough, cough. <laughs> um, they're going to start spending. They're going to start investing in their teams. It will make the, the, the MLS more competitive. I don't think, the actual version of pro rel will have this necessarily the same impact at the USL level. There's just there's more volatility over there, you know. The clubs aren't quite as big. There's no guarantee of anything. So, pro rel will have a good and a bad impact at the USL level.
1: I watched the USL final, which was pretty fascinating. It was uh, really Phoenix good. Phoenix Rising, it was yeah, it was really good. Um, they put on a did not put on a good display on how to do pk's though that was uh, kind of like rsl against houston the second game the first game was uh... or
2: or even worse the red bulls against cincinnati i think that that was probably the worst showing of penalty kicks i've seen in quite some time uh, mainly because they had two different opportunities to win it and just couldn't yes. close the deal um i felt like i was watching the texas rangers back in 2010 2011 um as a for those who don't know baseball they botched two world series back-to-back in those years um because oh, the Dolly Phillies no. couldn't close it out. But anyway, um, they, I, won this year, though, right? they did. They did we Won this year. And it was cool. To, it was cool to see that, uh, being a Dallas native, but I think going back to what you were saying, I think, um, you know, it's man. When I think about how, um, this league's probably going to change the USL championship. I think being a, ma- a massive indicator of it. Cause I think the, the championship final last year wasn't as, um, I think they didn't have as much hype around it. I think this year was a really big year for USL. A massive year for grassroots soccer, but a big, big year for USL. And I don't want I don't want to tease this too much, but we also just announced a partnership with the USL Championship. And I think we'll continue that in a really interesting way next season. Um, but they're they're doing a lot of interesting things in the market that I just haven't seen before. Um I think the USL championship is poised for some really interesting growth, a lot of investment hitting that. I think Pro Rel is going to happen and hopefully for them. A lot of fans will start to finally take note, but I don't know if it's going to surpass Major League Soccer. I think MLS has, has so much invested into it. Like, what did San Diego cost? Five hundred million, 500 something like million. that. Yeah, I think there's so much money pumped into this thing. You're not going to be able to to bully it or move it around. I think you can't offer the fans something different, uniquely different, as the game is continuing to grow. That's what I think USL is doing. Is they're just positioning themselves as a unique and almost truly authentic version of soccer. Um, whereas it won't be the, the, the top class of competition that's still going to be Major League Soccer, but you have something that's a little more romantic. And I think for the fans, that carries a lot of weight. I think there's going to be a lot of converts. Like you guys mentioned, you were here pretty soon.
1: On the, uh, pro, before we get away from Pro Rail, the one thing that yeah. I keep looking at is infrastructure. Going back to the finals there char- at Charleston, at the batteries home field. And I got the impression, you know, Major League Soccer is like two steps or three steps above USL. It's like the difference, it's like kind of watching the final at a high school football game. Yeah. Not to talk them down because it, it's good soccer. And mm-hmm. I've heard, I was reading that they might be having some foreign investment in USL. So there's some good things happening there. And the United States is so huge that you probably can do with multiple leagues and different levels. But yeah. the infrastructure that is needed to have complete professional pro-rel is is a long ways away in the United States.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's like most people who are for it, who make very, very strong, often one-sided cases for pro-rel on social media, um, don't, I think have enough weight or credit or validation to that side of the argument right is that it's all good in theory but in practice it's very difficult and there's already been so much money grandfathered into just the u.s soccer pyramid as a whole that it's you're not going to be able to do this and keep both parties happy both parties being club ownership and the fans At, it, it, to to really kick this thing off long term that might be the case but in the short term you're really going to piss off one side or the other. And so, um, you know, I think we'll be working towards some version of that long-term, years and years down the road. Like I said, I think I still think we're in the earliest days of the sport. It's one of the most exciting times to be a part of it as a fan or even on a deeper level. Um, but you're right, Brent. There's just, structurally, there are things to think about that I, I don't believe most... I don't want to call them propagandists, but it kind of feels like that sometimes. Um, you know, the the pro-rel crowd out there, right? It's a fantastic argument. I love the romanticism behind it. It does make the, the game more entertaining to tune into and frankly to play in, right? If you're a player. Um, but there's just a lot to think about when you think about a sustainable business long-term.
1: And they don't look at the, they don't fake factor in um, salary caps. They don't factor in the fact that um, Bayern Munich has won the title eleven years in a row. They do focus on the romantic side about the teams coming up and down, but you know they don't follow League Two teams. I mean, they're all probably Man City fans, to be honest. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but there are other factors. You're right; they don't take into uh, account. I mean, Luton Town, who uh, I almost picked my first soccer game in England, went to a Crawley, this is a great story, go to a game, it's Crawley Town and Luton Town, and I thought, all right, whoever wins this game is going to be my team. And halfway through, I just said, ah, you know what, I'm a Crawley Town fan. Wow. I fell in love with them. Um, they did win the game, but Luton Town has gone on to be On a crazy ride, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love being a Crawley Town fan because the highest they've been is League One, and Luton Town has actually been to the highest level. They were the season before the Premier League started. They got relegated out of uh, Division One, before. so they were already up there. So I don't feel bad about that. But they've done it right too. They have a their. I looked it up. I think their salary is their payroll is twenty four million dollars mm-hmm. in the Premier League, yeah. and they're playing against teams with a hundred and eighty million dollar mm-hmm. player um, mm-hmm. player salaries. So there, there's inequities in that system as well.
2: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Um, you know, it's it's it's. I mean, there's there is a law of averages to it. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's the game you play, right? And that's why I'm saying, like, outside the top one percent, the clubs that everybody knows, my my clubs that I support included, most of football globally is just not profitable. Um, they sustain right because they're able to at, at most times, at least for for good chunks of any given pyramid. Make the revenue needed to, you know, keep the lights on, right? Keep people paid, keep everything in order, but they're not quote unquote profitable. So, you know, it's, it's just something to think about. Um, but, you know, like I said, I don't think it has to be necessarily the version of pro-rel that everybody thinks we have to have. It doesn't have to mirror Europe or mirror South America or any major part of the globe. Uh, what America does best is try to find a way to put its own unique stamp on it and call it an original, right? Like, I think at the end of the day, that's what they'll do. They'll do an MLS 4.0 that has 20 teams in MLS, you know, MLS 1, 20 teams in MLS 2, and it's still going to be the upper echelon of competitive soccer in North America. But, you know, with that said, right, expansion teams may start in the the bottom division, have to work their way up. Um, You know, you wouldn't, you probably would see cases like of, of St. Louis City Less often, right? Someone coming in and just finishing right at the top immediately. Or it could happen, right? I just think it, as pro rel continues to scale, you get less and less of that, which makes the Cinderella stories like Leicester City winning the 15 16 title that much more romantic. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of change coming, right? I mean, I personally would love to see smaller rule changes. Like uh, we talked about this on another pod that I did last week. Um, this is actually a great rule. Tom Sweezy of MLS Aces was telling me that. He would love to see a spending floor implemented. Right. That there has to be a certain amount that every owner of the major league soccer club has to spend to be considered eligible or registered for the for the following season. Right. Like they have to they have to invest in their team. They can't just sit back.
3: Things that's like that so, will
2: make it more competitive.
3: I love that. That's a great idea. I, I feel like I, that's what's making the MLS a little a little lopsided at the moment. Because like you're saying, Colorado is Colorado is just doing terrible at the moment. I don't understand if they even want a soccer team.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 difficult. Imagine being one of those fans, right? Um, And so, like, I think it just gives it gives the fans something to look forward to every season because they know that their their owner will have to spend a certain amount. So I think Tom was spot on with that one, and I think that you know we're gonna see more of this change relatively soon. I think we can all agree that this this messy arrival into Major League Soccer is the second biggest shift in the structure of this league i think it has to end up that way uh, because of how big he is and how much talent will he'll attract to this league i mean who isn't inter miami going to sign in the offseason right i mean it's just you know it's, it's it's kind of ridiculous at this point all the all the rumors out there all the names linked to them but that's what messi does and Did they just sign Suarez? Time, they're yeah well they're i think they're about to right like it's like unofficial but it's probably going to be official soon um but the other names Griezmann's linked to them and like other other clubs as well Forsberg's linked to the red bulls right now you know there's there's so much that could change even just this off season and so the last time we saw this was david beckham back in 07 and i think back then even at, you know when i was in high school i realized that this is this is huge this is the biggest move major league soccer's ever seen and i don't know if we'll see another one like that and now we have messi doing it so last time this happened the dp rule was implemented to Make sure that we can handle bringing big name players over to Major League Soccer. I think that there, there will have to be another rule set shift as part of Messi's arrival. The I watched that uh,
1: Beckham documentary, which is pretty fascinating. He seems like a really funny guy. But <laughs> I, I was reminded to wh- how massive it was when he did come into the league because, well, there was only like nine or 10 teams. Messi comes in. And you know it's five hundred million dollars to buy in. Dave Chek bought in for like fifteen or something. So, Dave uh, David Beckham, I think, is the impetus for why we have MLS today, because he was willing yeah. to, even though he, if you watch the documentary, he thought had second thoughts. And LA Galaxy, you are like, nope, you are coming. But yeah. it was kind of the sea change in Major League Soccer. So, where where do you see Major League Soccer going? What are your thoughts on uh, our, our league?
2: Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's growing, right? I mean, I think if you've been following the league um, in any way, shape, or form the last few years, which I think when most fans started tuning in, at least you know, a couple seasons now probably. Um, and if you haven't, and if Messi got you to, to cross the line, welcome. But uh, I think with, with where the league is probably going, I mean, it's growing at a great rate. We're going to continue to add more expansion cities. That'll happen 100%. There'll be a lot of debate over who those should be now with the USL coming into a pro rel vote. Um, You know, I think that there will be potentially some markets out there who have USL clubs that want to avoid a scenario similar to that of San Diego and the Loyals. Um, The next few years are very, very exciting for an American soccer fan in general. They also are going to be, they're going to prove to be some of the most contentious for the pro leagues that are at the top of the soccer pyramid here in the states, so i don't know i think mls is gonna probably gonna be fine long term it's like what other, who's who else's toes are they going to step on right and that 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 may end up being kind of the narrative that we see because even look this season right i mean how many fans or players for that matter or or staff around the league wanted this format for playoffs nobody i can't think of a single person who's who raised their hand to that league doesn't care um they're going to do whatever gives them the best chance to be successful long-term and not even ask for forgiveness later. They'll probably just force everyone to be okay with it. Um, but it's worked for them for 20 plus years. That's how they've always done things. Right. So, um, uh, especially under Don Garber. So MLS is fine. Um, I don't see it play nicely with, with other leagues per se, but they will find a way to restructure and, um, uh, be slightly more comparable to what fans are 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 used to overseas. And I will say too, Don Garber's a, a business guy. He's gonna find very, very unique ways of merging what we're doing with possibly even some other confederations out there. Um I thought I I'm pretty sure he had a massive hand in that um invitation Inter Miami received to the Copa Libertadores. Um and if that happens, that actually goes through and they participate it's just that bridge being formed between us and South America, I think, takes MLS to what I'm hoping it actually becomes. I think Major League Soccer wants to be a top five league in the world. I don't think it needs to be. I would totally be okay with us stop trying to sign big name European talent and start signing more Tiago Almadas and Alan Velasco's. Like, go down to South America. Who are they? Who are they?
0: <laughs> They, nah, well, they yeah, yeah yeah
2: they're pretty yeah, they're, they're oh, decent if you haven't watched mls they're they're decent players they're, they're, they're pretty good okay. um <laughs> they i think that go to south america do what any of these big clubs do send scouts down there set up a system and cash you know not well i said cash in but like like it feels like you're cashing in go find any one of these talents to get on the cheap and bring them to major league soccer and hype up this league as a league where top tier talent develops itself that's what i think it needs to become you know a farm system for the biggest clubs on the planet because when we're that valuable to the to the premier leagues la ligas the bundesligas out there when we're that valuable everybody wins that rising tide will raise every ship in this pond and we'll be we'll, we'll all feel really good about it so that's what i think we need to happen is kind of going in reverse in terms of how we identify talent and i would look at south america
1: so essentially kind of like when when the middle of your roster catches up cuz MLS is doing a great job with academies and trying to develop youth mm-hmm. and then they're trying to attract the top uh players like Messi and other players and you know Lewandowski gets uh linked to Chicago every year right um Polish you know yeah yeah that's <laughs> what they were saying but it's when the 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 middle of your rosters can compete anywhere that's when the league will be where it needs to be where um those middle players they could go to to the other leagues if they wanted to but they could stay here as well so i I think that's where the deficit is we have some really top players got some great young players but the middle of the rosters is where that's that's the telling point
2: yeah impact off the bench right game changing talent and i think that you know at times we just associate that automatically with household names I think it makes more sense. And and, and what they do is, right, is they they go get those household names, they put them at the top of the roster, and you think the starters that once were in those spots shift a little bit down, that kind of evens out the middle. That's not really how it works. In theory, that's how some rosters are built. But I think, you know, guys that I think are doing it right, like for me, the the most well-equipped, put-together team in Major League Soccer today is the Columbus Crew. I think Whoa. I think. Explain they are, yourself, man. So that's uh, a little tough to hear. <laughs> I think because El well, we well,
3: Lake was pretty stout.
2: So they were, they look. were, dude, dude. I mean, and, and and look, we talk about young talent, right? Look at <laughs> look at what Diego Luna as as, a, as part of the U twenty two youth initiative. Again, another change that MLS rolled out um, that directly benefited clubs like RSL, right? Like, I think with with Columbus Crew and what they put together under Wilfred Nancy, it's like this feels like the championship team from twenty seventeen or whatever it was. Like it just kinda of feels that way to an extent. That that drubbing they took to Atlanta at the bend, I mean it is what it is. Dr. Marcus and Almada were firing on all cylinders that day, but then they quickly reminded them of who they were in game three. And I think that if they beat Cincinnati and are in this run into MLS Cup, um, they're gonna solidify that you just don't need this european or even or just uh, like outside global third party out of this world talent to win mls cup despite what la Galaxy or la lafc convinced most fans of last season you can do it with just a very fundamentally sound primarily north american team minus cucho hernandez right so i don't know i think um i hope we start going more in that direction we start leaning more on not just development of our youth but m- more of a priority on scouting and identifying talent elsewhere that other clubs haven't identified yet.
3: So I have a random question for you. Um, It's in regards to Messi. Uh, I just want to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, Name's Jose, right? We got that right. (laughs) Um, If he were to approach you, um, what would be the first three things you did? Uh, Probably first cry like I, i'll be just do it i feel like you'd yeah. be a crier you know? like, yeah, man i'm just like oh my gosh. yeah like, you know what's crazy yeah. i
2: so my, my wife actually says this about me all the time um i don't really watch like a ton of movies or tv i did a little bit when we were dating but that's because we were dating um i think you know um she says the only you know like movies or, or or tv or any entertainment i've ever gotten emotional about is like basically like those like the, the sports movies essentially right but like the those types of stories and i, I attach myself to characters like that and i think with messy man i've watched him for so long for such a massive part of my life man there's no way it would be anything but tears on sight. like there's just no way um I, I think i would be grateful that he was willing to stop and acknowledge me and shake my hand um, I when, when when he was presented almost as like a a, a god to, to fans down in, in Argentina after they won the World Cup, like I felt that, like I, I I felt so happy for him when he won it. I was in New York with a good buddy of mine who was cheering on Mbappe in France because he's a Real Madrid fan, and he you know was under the impression that Mbappe was coming to Real Madrid. Um, he was one of three French people in an entire bar that was filled to the brim with a ton of Argentina fans. And I had on my old school Maradona jersey on. It doesn't have Maradona on the back, just the ten, and uh, from that eighty-six World Cup. And when he won it, I, I it wasn't happy that my team won. It was like I felt happy solely for him. Di Maria great, you know, Rodrigo De Paul great, all those guys great. But for Messi, I felt happy that he did it and he completed football. He 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 achieved something that all of his haters thought he would never do. So. Yeah, man. I mean, it would be tears, 100. Uh, percent I would thank him for everything he's given me over the years. Um, so many memories that with with just on my own with my family, my my wife. I guess just through osmosis supports Barcelona. Now. She's not really a soccer person, but like she has jerseys and stuff because that's just who I am. That's the, that's 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 how passionate I am about my club. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it. He's he'll forever be a legend. I don't care who comes after him as the next Messi, Holland and Bappe, all these guys tearing up world soccer right now. Awesome. They're not messy. You know? Um, Yeah. I I have an immense admiration for that man.
3: How big is your tattoo of him?
2: Like, and where did you put it? Is is it covered or not? I kind of wish I had a tattoo of him now that I think about it. Um, No, I mean, I don't have any tattoos, but if I did it, um, I tell you what, I I don't have any tattoos, but my wife and I had a real conversation about my ch- my son's name and like, you know how that kind of would you know how Messi might fit into that, and ultimately I lost that battle, but um you know it's it's okay. Um, uh, I think at the end of the day, it'd be too obvious if his name was either Leo or Messi. So um, <laughs> yeah, I I don't think my wife would have been too big of a fan, but I, I mean man, I he's just the sport's been such a massive part of my life there are so many memories there's so many friends that i have just from it like like us like uh, not so many but at least a few where i've just been in proximity of them in a public place watching the game and our friendship has stood to this day based on that moment that we celebrated together like mm-hmm. it's just it's in ways that i can't even thank him for messi's impacted my life so you know um I'll never forget those memories, especially now where Barcelona is up and down, you know, it's just like, it's not the same without them. Um, I'll never stop supporting them, but I am more critical of Barcelona than I've been in a while. And that's just the nature of being a fan. Um, But I'm also hopeful that we'll, we'll get back to where we were. So yeah, man. um, Oh yeah. So
1: if you have a daughter, are you going to name her Lanesra? Did you hear that story? About the guy that named his daughter
2: Lanesha, and then- I hope I hope he did it. I hope he did it. Um, yeah,
0: yeah it's,
3: it's Arsenal spelled backwards. Did you see that?
2: Oh man, I you know yeah. I see so many things on the internet now. I don't know what's actually true and what's just like a <laughs> hey, this would be funny if it happened. Um If that's true, if that actually happened, damn. I I, I really kind of feel bad um for her. <laughs> what she realizes, like where the inspiration for the name came from um but maybe it's different over there like i said my wife would torture me if if, if she like I, I i told her i was going to i made this joke after our son was born that i um that the nurse was going to ask me solely while she was you know um resting or whatever what the name was going to be and i was going to just give her <laughs> give her She's my own Rain. name <laughs> <laughs> um and just you know full send uh leo messi but um yeah she i think she would have had a heart attack so if that is true, I I I don't envy that man at all either from the the feedback <laughs> his wife gave him or or the daughter later on.
1: Oh, man.
2: Well, you know that uh, he he loves them very much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if he's been an Arsenal fan for a long time, look, we've had to survive. Like, I I remember. I patch. Oh man, rough patch doesn't even begin. We we lost to Bayern Munich on aggregate ten to two. Ten to two. And uh, I think it was ten to two and like seven to one in back to back seasons, losing and the quarterfinals to the champion to, to Byron Munich wow. Champions. Like So like there were there were trust me, there were years where like I almost wanted to It's like, you know what, I'm I'm done watching for this season. Like I can't I can't keep doing this to myself. It's almost how I feel like maybe Brennan and the United fans are slowly getting towards that point this season. I think um oh, I haven't there. seen so any headlines from United in a while yeah <laughs> we i'm
3: i'm pretty I'm fading out, but it's kind of just like being patient waiting for the the shift that's going to happen because mm. right now they're just in the the lull until they can figure things out yeah and stop buying useless players you know what <laughs> i mean They don't they don't develop anybody i mean ever since like Eric Ten Hogg came on, it's been like, oh, you're good, come on Oliver, you're good, oh come on over if there's no chemistry, there's nothing yeah by sorry, you can't get a uh, like a signature from messi or a photo just you want to touch him and cry
2: i mean that seems a little too emotional yeah i'm okay me. with that though i i have no problem there's no shame in my game man i think uh i uh i will proudly weep uh in the presence of that man um it's just yeah it's it's what he's done for me what what his team has done for me over the years so him uh-huh. shabby iniesta you name it um There's a very, very soft spot in in, in my heart for those guys. Messi at the top, but like, there's a lot of guys underneath that too.
3: So being a Barca fan, would Thierry Henry and also Arsenal, I mean, is that another guy that might bring out the waterworks for you?
2: Yeah. So I I know I have my green screen behind me. I, um, normally what's, what what I have for like my shows is like, yeah, that's like Henry and Messi are like on full display. Um, Dino, Mm -hmm. um, I actually in another part of this room, I have three portraits, uh, three canvas portraits. Uh, one's Messi, one's Honore, and one's Ronaldinho. So for me, oh, it, like like influence sure. wise, those are the three guys that I think influence not just my love for the game, but like I would say, like what wh- why I get excited about it every time there was a match that was coming on. Right, anytime Barcelona was about to play, I didn't care who it was. It could be Celta Vigo, it could be Deportivo Alaves. It doesn't matter. It was like how they were going to play. And with the Premier League, there's almost never a bad weekend. It could be Arsenal, Luton Town. I don't care. Like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tune in. So, you know, uh, those guys, man, on unreal. And the fact that they got to play together, I think Dino was there for like a preseason before he moved to AC. Yeah, he left. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the fact that like two of them got to play together, and it was almost three. And the fact that Dino was the one to pass the you know the torch down to Messi. It's kind of crazy, you know, you mentioned the Beckham documentary earlier, Brandt um Dino doesn't come to Barça if Beckham accepts the move to Barcelona um that just doesn't happen like those dominoes don't fall that way. um we only went to p s g for Ronaldinho because Beckham rejected Barcelona and asked to go to Madrid, and so it's just kind of crazy how I don't know that that move that chain reaction set off events for the next 20-plus years that would shape how we all see the game today.
1: And you could ask Brennan how he would react if he met Wayne Rooney, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Is that that, that your hero? (laughs) Who's who's the best United player of all time? I'm just kind of curious from your perspective.
3: Uh, Bergkamp. (laughs)
2: Uh,
3: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I just... I really liked Ronaldo. I thought he was awesome. Yeah. Um, but I I think uh, I just love the Rooney skulls gigs. Uh, I love that whole era. I think that's, yeah. that's just when I really love football overall. The, and I was kicking Arsenal's butt day, at too. that time. So it made me feel better.
2: <laughs> the rivalry was Arsenal's real. Actually
3: my second favorite team, which is funny that I've chose those two. And I chose them before I even knew that there was like a, a hate for each blood. other.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were there was some bad blood, man. Um, it's it's to this day, despite what anybody says. In my opinion, it's the biggest rivalry in the history of the Premier League. I don't think there's been. A I agree with one. that. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Spurs and Arsenal's pretty big because of the you know the North London specifically thing, and and they talk a lot when they play each other, the two fan bases. But I think yeah. just for the tone it sets for the top of the Premier League in the late '90s into the 2000s. Arsenal United was just something else.
3: Well, there's also a new rival, rivalry coming out that's going to probably be the 2023-2024 season, um, and that's Crawley and Wrexham. So <laughs> I, I, Those two nice. teams are really have a nice
1: rivalry for maybe six months. So, yeah, yeah, if, uh, Wrexham's, if of, it <laughs> Wrexham's headed right out of League 2, they're headed to League 1 and, and Crawley. We're not going to be at the bottom. But we could challenge for the uh, playoff spots. They play beautiful soccer, though they play. They play the soccer. You probably appreciate it. They like possession. They pass, and it's really nice to watch.
2: Yeah, I love that man. It's uh, to me, and it's not just passing, right? Because to me, I I, I say this all the time now. I think um, Pep Guardiola probably it's probably a hot take. I think Pep Guardiola has ruined football to an extent. I think he's kind of ruined it. I think. Like for me, the position he's ruined the most—that was the most fun to watch ever—were wingers. Ten, yeah, ten, two. But because this is the different with his ten, but wingers specifically, like there was a time when guys like Ricardo Quaresma would boss the world. They were just they did these things with the ball, one v one against defenders that you would just never see. Like, like when Ronaldo, when when Cristiano Ronaldo came into the Premier League, this was kind of when when this what I'm talking about. Oh three to oh five, there were like these wingers that could manipulate the ball and do things with the ball that other players just weren't doing and i think pep killed that out of efficiency i think uh the winger is not even a winger in his system you know it's a false winger and they're, they're there to make the run that opens up space for another midfielder and it's all about passing and being efficient with your passes and i think it's cool it's great for winning and it's great for um keeping you know defenses on their toes with movement but from an entertainment perspective. I don't know. I just, I kind of, sometimes I miss what football used, or soccer used to be. Yeah. Just the individual. Sometimes I want to see the, the individual take on a defender. Um, The last I think we saw of that was the battle between like Alexis Sanchez and Eden Hazard. I think those guys Ooh. were insane to watch because they were just everything for their team. Like Chelsea was the top of the league because of Eden Hazard. And frankly, Arsenal was top four <laughs> because of Alexis Sanchez. Like Arsenal really, they were okay back then. They weren't like fantastic. Chelsea was a pretty good team, but I don't think they were championship contenders. And those two guys were so individually brilliant that their teams overperformed. I think that it's kind of I miss it. I miss that type of of soccer and and that individual brilliance.
1: Well, we thank you so much, Jose, and we know you've got to probably got to get going. Yeah, um, yeah, I got to get going
2: here pretty soon, guys. But this was. Uh, a fantastic conversation, man. I, I appreciate it. Anytime you guys want to talk footy,
0: um, I'm, oh, look, I'm an RSL guy.
2: Yeah, feel free to have me on. I'm not an I'm not RSL guy, though. But if, if RSL plays Dallas, which it's just about every season at this point, um, we can lock something in. I'm down to banter. I love giving RSL fans a little bit of shtick every now and then. Um, I hope Brian Vera tunes into one of his episodes one day to tell him that you're overrated. Um. Outside of that, Okay,
3: so we haven't signed anything, right? Like we're, we're not like with TV. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right now. Uh-huh.
2: Oh I had to leave you with a spicy take, man. It's, uh, it's uh-huh. totally yeah, I like, right. I like it's it. you right. cannot possibly believe that Vera
1: is overrated.
2: No, no, no. I think I think he uh, at times loses his head. His cool you know, a little he's bit. <laughs> he's, he's ill disciplined, and calls it passion, but outside of that, no, he's a good player. I think that, that that part of his of his game gets on my nerves a little bit too much, but uh, but no, I mean he's a good player. I don't know if he's a center back or a left back. It's kind of hard to tell sometimes. But um left but Yeah. Back. Yeah. Um I think he, I think he do both really well. Um it's just Sometimes I talk about before, right? Watching, wanting to watch teams lose. Sometimes I love watching his reactions in RSL lose. I think it's amazing. <laughs> uh, I live for that a little bit. So, Brian Vera, if you know if you ever tune in, um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I hope that the F-Z house is coming for you. So, well, outside of that though, I kind um, of feel the same
1: it. way about Jesus Ferrer. Who but doesn't, a, man? We, yeah.
2: After he missed the two uh, clear-cut chances in game one against Seattle, I almost DM'd you on Twitter, Brad, to say you were right. <laughs> I don't like him either anymore. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, we probably won't have him for that much longer. He'll probably move on to somewhere, I'm sure. Herrera will probably get his move. But for now, he's kind of our only guy, minus guys like Camungo and Velasco who just tore his ACL. So, yeah, it's going to be a weird offseason for Dallas. Well, we can't thank you enough. We're, looking, we're excited
1: to be a part of your Goals TV experiment, and uh, we're looking forward to putting all of our uh, content on there, and we really appreciate you joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. And, guys, if you haven't checked out, go check it out. Goals TV, the, the, the URL is Goals, G-O-L-Z, unique spelling, dot TV. and you'll not only see the RSL Random Fan Podcast at some point in time, there's a ton of other content out there for you to go check out. If you're a fan uh, of this beautiful game here stateside, you love discovering content and creators alike a ton on that platform you to go check out and uh, you would be supporting uh, a ton of creators and fans along the way. So I appreciate you. And again, Brant, Brennan, thank you both so much. This was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, sir.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the RSL Random Fan Podcast. Join Brant, Tyler, and Brennan every week wherever you get your podcasts. Share with your soccer loving friends, download, subscribe, rate, and follow. You can find them on Twitter at RSL RandomFan and at RSL Random Fan Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can also reach out via email at RSL Randomfan Podcast at Yahoo.com. Thank you for listening.